0: Hey guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to my podcast. I've got a very special guest. You remember her from my radio show. Her name is Dana Weifer, and she is a New Jersey attorney who is taking up the cause of championing people who don't have a voice, those that have been forced to wear a mask at work despite disabilities, those that have been forced to take a vaccine despite the fact that they have natural immunity and don't want the fake experimental jab in their body. Dana, welcome back. Good to see you. Good to see you thank you I, I say the word fake because i think most of the news that has been used to justify this uh I, I was listening to um uh to anthony fauci i don't even know if it was today this will air in in a week um but anthony fauci talking about how it's very important uh, to keep the masks on children and get your kids vaccinated and he even said the words that the vaccine Absolutely, many credible studies have shown it to be effective against the variants. Meanwhile, we're hearing reports around the the world of people with the vaccine catching and dying from different variations of coronavirus. And uh, most recently, Rand Paul, Senator from Kentucky, tweeted out that there's a new study in England that had 53,000 people who did not get vaccinated. Out of those COVID uh, patients that tested positive, only 44 died. So you're talking about a number that is actually somewhere in line, if not less than the flu. So anyway, that, there's our start, right? We've got a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, and I say this, and I'll just qualify this, and, and then I want to hear from you, um, that none of us on the side of, of medical freedom and common sense ever denied that coronavirus was a fake virus. And the other side always says, oh, you you just believe it wasn't real. I'm like, no, we believe it was real because there is science. It's the reaction to it and your uh, false sense of security with all of these lockdown masking vaccine measures, that's where we have the problem. So tell me, where are you in this fight?
1: Um, I am all over the place. <laughs> so, <laughs> starting about um, probably six months ago, I started having people come to me with mask issues. And this was predominantly disabled people who have suffered discrimination at stores, both by the stores discriminating against them, and also harassment from fellow customers. And the people who have approached me are people with really serious disabilities. These are people who have COPD, cancer, MS, a variety of other illnesses that prevent them from wearing masks, and they're being targeted for harassment. So I got brought in there. But I have noticed that my mass cases are now turning into vaccine cases, Mm -hmm. and that's really the pressing issue at the moment. I am getting calls all day, every day, from people who are being coerced into taking this injection, this pharmaceutical that will permanently alter their bodies through their jobs Um, It's being required for employment. It's being required for students to attend schools and to attend their school in a regular capacity as a normal person and not as a leper. And I know that parents are very concerned that this will be mandated for K-12 through come come September because it certainly seems as though approval may be fast-tracked since Dr. Fauci keeps saying that it'll be approved by the end of the year, which is astonishing considering it's still not out of clinical trials, but they seem to have some sort of foreknowledge of this.
0: Well, and, and they say, I mean, vaccines take anywhere from five to 15 years before they're actually vetted. Uh, this one came up fast. And there's there's really no evidence that they can point to of how effective it is, given the fact that we've got more than 6,000 cases reported already. And this is as of this recording to the vaccine adverse event uh, reporting system of deaths post vaccine. You know, and they say that that, that is about, between one and ten percent—one on a normal day, ten percent on a good day—that means at least ninety percent of the adverse reactions are not being reported. And so far, those numbers have uh, topped hundred thousand. So I, I, you know, it's it's amazing to me. What do you say to people to give them hope? Because I I think a lot of people have uh, given up in the sense of they feel like they can't fight the machine on this, you've got a lot of folks that have at least interacted with me and said, look, they're gonna opt for a fake vaccine card. They're gonna lie about it. There's no government approved vaccine card. It's a handwritten card from a local uh, pharmacy. So it would be very easy to fake, you would think. And, uh, and 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 then on the other side, people say, well, what's the real downside if I do it? So it seems that the the uh, the forces of fear have already won.
1: Um, well, I certainly hope that's not the case. So I have been participating in a lot of forums. And the people who are involved there, I I agree with you, there's sort of almost a sense of despondency. Um, But there's also, I'm getting sort of like an optimism, you have somebody speak, and they're saying you have the right under the Constitution to be exempt from this. And the thing is, they're right. But people are exhausted because these are individual people taking on huge institutions with lawyers that have clearly researched this and are pushing the boundary as far as they possibly can taking advantage of the power differential between the institutions and the people who depend on those institutions for education or employment and if as if that weren't enough these institutions then point to the cdc and say well things like well i'm sorry having already had COVID isn't an excuse to opt out of the injection because the CDC says that if it's, if you you can get it again. So there is this feeling that we're taking on these huge institutions and these huge institutions are backed by even huger institutions. And it appears to extend globally. And I feel a little bit defeated every day. If I'm being honest with you, it's almost like a hydra. The minute you sort of get your, head around one thing there's a variation on it where there's another issue that arises and when it comes to these injections people are differently situated it's different if you're a student at a public university versus a private university it's different if you're a public employee versus a private employee it's different if you have a religious exemption versus a medical exemption versus a philosophical exemption these are all different issues and they sort of need to be handled in different ways whereas the institutions just say to us this
0: is just the rule. You have to deal with that. Well, so let I, me ask you this. So Dr. Fauci even said uh, that uh, these are recommendations. At what point, now you're a, you're an attorney, you've been fighting the, uh, the institutions for a while. Um, <laughs> at what point does a CDC recommendation become the law of the land? At what point did we elect the CDC to decide that our kids can be subject to a clinical trial uh, or face the consequences of being discriminated against? You and I had this conversation that uh, schools in California, for example, have have the legal power right now to discriminate against someone and say, no, you can't come on campus, you can't participate. We'll take your money, but you can't participate. We have decided you have to take the vaccine. Uh, at what point will that turn on its ear? Because there is a constitution and the Supreme Court. I mean, we we are a nation of laws at some point, right?
1: Right. So so. As I say, I have this sort of sense of despondency, but I get calls from people, I talk to people, and I realize that there there's a lot of people in our positions, and we're having difficulty organizing for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is social media censorship, which I know we'll get into, but... I believe, I believe sincerely that the battle that we're going to have over the next two years is going to determine the course of this country and probably the world, because case law sets precedent and we are dealing with completely novel issues that have not yet been litigated. And the way these cases turn out is going to determine whether we and our children continue on with sovereignty over our bodies and the ability to say no to coerced and forced pharmaceutical injections or whether a body of case law is laid down that erodes those rights for us. So, while I do feel despondent, I feel that right now this is the time, this is the moment where we must summon all of our energy, choose our battles wisely, make sure that we're litigating the cases in the right places that are going to give us the right outcome because. If they set precedent now, saying that this is permitted, we're not coming back from it
0: anytime in the New York so future. So, what do you say to you know, famous lawyers like Alan Dershowitz, who has gone on national television saying that absolutely there's a right to force people to take an injection, and uh, there's case law for it? And he cited certain cases. I'm not a lawyer. I don't. I, you know, I, I heard he went in one ear and out the other. But what 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 do you say to prominent constitutional attorneys like that, who basically are saying? go away, Dana, you, you don't have a leg to stand on. We've already shown this. We can, we've can. we been forcing nurses and medical practitioners to take the flu shot uh, for, uh, for I don't know how many years, and no one's challenged it.
1: Right. So I've been thinking about this a lot, and it's sort of an interesting thing, because I've noticed when I argue with liberals, or I guess liberals isn't really the right term for these people who want to
0: force people to get Yeah, I, I think this has transcended party lines and liberal conservative. I find a lot of my, some of my most liberal friends are proponents of medical free freedom one of them uh, jamel holly great guy member of the legislature jamel is a democrat and and he and i disagree on probably 75 percent of the issues but we came together on this because the guy is is real standing up for family saying wait a minute wait a minute not political you can't put an injection into somebody's kid uh that they don't have informed consent for
1: yeah and and, and i appreciate him <laughs> Uh, I, unfortunately, I think he's he's more of the exception than the rule. When it comes yeah, to. I
0: agree.
1: Uh, but I lost my train of thought. Where, what we were talking, we're about. talking
0: about? You said your liberal friends. You were talking to liberals, uh, and they no, have a they, are, they have one take over the other. To,
1: yeah, like they'll bring up Jacobson, right? Which is the 1905 case where the Supreme Court said that basically the town could have force somebody to pay a five dollar fine if they didn't want to get the smallpox vaccination. Mm -hmm. And Dershowitz relies heavily on that. To my surprise, something that I didn't realize until I started researching this issue about a month ago, the New Jersey courts have relied on Jacobson and not that long ago. And it's an interesting thing because it's just cited in our case law as like, of course the government can force people to get vaccinations because look at this case from 1905. And I say a couple of things to that, number one, One of the most important lessons I ever learned in life uh, was told to me by one of my philosophy professors. It's very simple, but it's profound, which is just because it's the way things are doesn't mean it's the way they ought to be. And for me, that means that I don't care if there's precedent saying one thing or another, the Supreme Court can write new decisions. The Supreme Court can make new law. We need to make sure that we put the right cases in front of these courts so that they can do that. And the place where I think that is going to happen is because as you stated, there is this whole body of case law. And in New Jersey, there is a lot of case law on this point, which I also didn't realize until I started researching this issue. But the courts always take for granted that schools and um, public employment can force people to get get vaccinations because the state has this public interest. And this question of the state's interest is always taken for granted. There's no cases that say, is the state's interest in this particular vaccination actually that strong so that it w- so that it can mandate it? And so I think that this is where the fight is going to have to be. The question is, in a case like COVID, where the survival rate is over 99.9% for huge parts of the population, where it's highly age stratified, does the state really have a compelling interest in forcing people to take a pharmaceutical? And what if, and add into that the fact that these particular injections uh, are harming people. So I think that's where the litigation is going to have to take place, where the case law is going to be made. Um, and it's going to require some really serious litigation because we're going to be relying on experts. It's going to be extremely scientific. It's going to have to be very well organized.
0: Dana, how much faith do you have in the system? I, I, I had this conversation on the radio this morning um, for literally, literally for decades. I tried to get myself on a jury. I was dying to have jury duty could not, for the to save my life, I couldn't get on a jury. I tried everything. I went in a suit, then I went in a sweater, then I brought a book. I, I, I don't know, I tried everything. Five or six times I got in the courtroom, nothing, denied. Now, after having been through this hell the last 15 months, the last thing I ever will do is jury duty because of the cancel culture and all the nonsense. And I've lost faith in the fact that we have impartial judges. I think judges have become overly politicized, even, and I think more so in states where they're appointed, like New Jersey, as opposed to elected, uh, where they're somewhat accountable to the people, uh, like in places like Pennsylvania. So how much faith do you have in the system? Because it seems to me that even with the Supreme Court, it really does go along the lines of, um, how did you campaign to be the Supreme Court justice? Are you a conservative? Are you not? And and, and I, that is somewhat disturbing to me and disconcerting. Uh, is that a concern as you go forward?
1: Yes, it is. Um, my faith in the system has been eroding year by year by year. Um, I'm hopeful because the current composition of the Supreme Court is not as bad as it could be. Um, so I think that there is some hope there. As far as the New Jersey courts go, so I'd be very concerned about bringing a case in the state courts because um, I don't know if we'd be able to get a fair shake in front of a judge. I think that what we're looking at is sort of a pop, it, it, it's a mania. We're, we're involved in a public mania right now around the injections, around the mask wearing, about COVID. And people are so scared that rational thinking has kind of gone out the window and people are very emotion driven. And I think anyone who is standing up for medical freedom has experienced people becoming really, really angry with them just because Mm -hmm. they're saying something that's contrary to what that person believes. And the fact of the matter is that, as we've seen very well over the last year, doctors and lawyers and judges are not immune to that. And so it worries me that the judiciary might be comprised of people who are wrapped up in this mania and that it could be difficult to get a fair shake. That, you know, I could present an expert talking about the things that we know quite well, with, with regard to the science behind masks, with regard to the injuries around the injections and things like that, but what if I get a judge who thinks it's a conspiracy theory and won't qualify my expert? It's not outside the realm of possibility.
0: So, so to that, I, I, was, uh, I was looking at uh, Dr. Marty McCary, who is, uh, I've had some great exchanges with on Twitter. He's one of the top docs at Johns Hopkins Medical School. And, um, you know, Johns Hopkins was really one of the main drivers behind what I call the fear porn and the panic peddling with the ticker tape of how many deaths and how many cases and all this that really ginned up uh, a public panic. Um, but McCarry has come out and said that it's time for public health officials to own up to the mistakes. The lockdowns didn't work. Your mandates didn't work. And, um, and, a, and he's, and he's pro vaccine, by the way, uh, but saying that, look, it was a combination. He's like, there's nothing wrong with the vaccine. If that puts us over the top and keeps us there, he said, but you can't ignore natural immunity. You can't ignore the fact that 200 million Americans had this already. And most were fine. As a matter of fact, most never knew they had anything, um, but here's a guy that, when he tweets about this or is quoted, there's a disclaimer from the fact checkers on uh, on um, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and you have to when you click through, they will literally they'll attack what's being posted. So Dr. Marty McCarry probably knows a little more about medicine than whatever kid is working in the room to censor it on social media, but that. That kid gets to put up, this is disputed by experts. Here's the link to the CDC. Here's the link to the World Health Organization. Myself, I have been thrown off of YouTube now twice, and I'm not going for a third time because I've taken the station down twice where we can't even post our news conversations on uh, YouTube because of the comments I've made with sources like, Doctors, I've had doctors on. I had Dr. Craig Wax on, who I know you know, talking about that. That um, you know, from a medical perspective, you shouldn't be giving this vaccine to kids who are 12 and under. And uh, and we got banned from from YouTube. So I've now moved. Even this conversation will be on a platform on Rumble. I've moved to the. Uh, I've now got the Bill Spadia channel on Rumble. And um, and you know, <laughs> what do you say? to the folks that have been canceled. How do we fight that? It seems that we've got a, a, a true oligarchy. They attack the Russians and all these uh, monopolies and these these oligarchs with oil and gas. And it's right here in America with Google and Facebook. And, and how do you fight that? Because most people today take that as gospel. They certainly don't have any faith to speak of. So the new gods are uh, you know, Zuckerberg and Gates. And Jack with Twitter. Yeah, I,
1: I agree with you 100%. I mean, controlling the flow of information, controlling what uh, information people have access to has been the way that people are ruled as long as humans have learned how to control one another. And certainly right now we are seeing a frantic effort to control the information flow. I see the censorship as a positive sign. In fact, it, it is something that gives me hope because <laughs> if they weren't trying to censor us, then, then it would mean that they weren't <laughs> even fighting us so I, I try to take that to heart and, and
0: have. A i love it know. i love that you're a fighter yeah yeah i'm um, with you i love it
1: we, there's a couple of different ways that we that we need to go about this so um actually dr wax has been helping me trying to put together the first lawsuit against twitter because one of the things that we need to show is that the twitter is a public forum that it's held out itself out as a public forum And that it deprives people who are living in New Jersey of the right to free speech under the New Jersey Constitution, because we have this expanded right to free speech that extends into some public places. And one of the things that he and I noticed is that there's there's sort of categories of censorship. There's the outright banning or suspension, which is obvious, just pure censorship. Um, then there's also the see more. So it's sort of you're, you're, you're not taking someone off, but you're forcing people to go through extra steps to get mm-hmm. to them. And then there's how they do the algorithm. And there's like six or seven different types of censorship that, for example, Twitter is engaging in. Facebook also does the disclaimers, which isn't, I, I don't know if that I could really call that censorship. That's something else, although it sometimes has comical results. I posted on Facebook yesterday the video of that, that girl, Maddie, the 12 year old who was injured by the Pfizer vaccine in clinical yeah. trials. And right under my post where I put the video, Facebook put a tag saying that COVID-19 vaccines have been tested for efficacy and safety. And I'm right. like, this is a video about a girl that was injured during the testing for efficacy right. and safety. And you have right. this stupid disclaimer there. It's astonishing. Um, and So we have Twitter and Facebook on that end. And then we have things like LinkedIn and YouTube. And I think that we take it to them a little bit differently. With Twitter and Facebook, they're public forums. They've held themselves out of public forums. In New Jersey, we can go after them on that basis. And there are other states who have similar constitutions as we. So hopefully we can set a precedent there. With YouTube and LinkedIn, they're a little differently situated because people go onto that platform and they create content. And they sort of invest their careers in that platform. And they put things onto that platform that they've created. And they do that because YouTube and LinkedIn have invited them to do that. So on those platforms, there's actually economic damages that could be available to somebody who is censored. And that's a tort. So there are torts called perspective uh, interference with prospective economic gain. Um, And there's also Fraud, which might be applicable there if they've made misstatements intended for people to rely on them. People relied on them to their detriment and then suffered monetary damages because of it. So there's a couple of different torts by which I think we can go after YouTube and um, LinkedIn. I think also PayPal would probably fall under this because they have done a lot of censoring of people. I think there might have been issues with a couple of other platform process uh, payment processors as well. So, if you have enough people bringing lawsuits like that, um, and if you have one or two succeed, you suddenly have these very large corporations looking at potential uh, liability in an incalculable amount. Not to mention the attorney's fees that they would incur trying to trying to fight those lawsuits. And in addition, in many states there are consumer fraud acts where there's fee shifting, and so you're looking at really threatening them in terms of potential damages that they would have to pay so those big corporations you might be able to incentivize with potential liability for monetary damages and then twitter and facebook i think is more of a straight free speech issue
0: what about uh, what do you say to the smaller businesses out there and i've I've had this conversation on the air where uh, osha came out with the occupational safety uh, regulations saying that if you force the vaccine um effectively you could be responsible or liable uh based on workman's comp etc if somebody gets hurt on the job because they were forced to take the vaccine to keep the job if they have an injury uh it read to me but i'm not a lawyer that you could turn around and sue that company for forcing you to take it where do you think that is something that um that will start to pick up in the future
1: yeah so i think that ocean might have under pressure revised that guidance a couple of days later but they, I don't think they said it, it wouldn't be possible because I think it might be, <clears throat> pardon me. And I noticed sure. that there's at least one university that put on it's like frequently asked questions page, if I'm injured because I get the COVID-19 vaccination, what sort of, how, how will the university help me? And it did talk about the fact that if somebody was injured, they're gonna have days off, the university will work with them through workers' comp or whatever. So. Clearly, there are some employers who are looking at this and realizing that they could potentially be on the hook for liability. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that's a pathway going forward. And I, I have very mixed feelings about that because it, it could halt this and certainly the threat of it could halt it. But on the other hand, that means people are being damaged by, by these injections. So
0: what about your your colleagues and other attorneys? I mean, I, I, when this when we started, I was so happy to find you. Uh, because like you're you're eager to fight you're ready to fight you're you're a common sense rational critical thinker and i have to tell you dana it was few and far between law firms that i've worked with for years scared to death take on uh, a mask mandate and i'm like well wait a minute you've got literally concrete scientific proof that especially when it comes to the kids you've got bacteria and they're having rashes and they're having difficulty breathing and uh, it's it's you know, it's counterproductive for a child to wear a mask for six or seven hours in school. It's unconscionable that this is a mandate. To me, it's unconscionable that the governor uh, is allowing, in New Jersey in particular, the school districts to decide. So I guess if you've got a more liberal school district, Montclair kids are going to have the mask on. Princeton kids are going to have the mask on. But uh, the kids in Sparta won't. I mean, it, it's like it falls along political lines. I thought we were following data and science. Um, But what do you think as far as other attorneys, I would have thought that we would be headed toward, uh, you know, the late night TV or daytime TV legal advertisements. If you've been injured because you took X, Y, and Z, call us at 1-800-GO-GET-SOME-MONEY. I would think that the attorneys would be lining up for this, given the fact that for all reporting, the injuries related to the post shot from COVID far outweigh historically uh, just about any of the vaccines that have been talked about over the past 30 years. Where are the lawyers?
1: Um, Well, I think there's a couple of things going on. I I have found some lawyers. I think I have a group of like six or seven of us now. Um, And it it was like finding lighthouses, you
0: know, after a storm Right? Yeah. Because you think you're going to hit the rocks. You're like, oh my God, there's a light. Yeah.
1: It's been it's been wonderful for me to be able to connect with these other attorneys. Um, And they're all very smart people, very dedicated people. They're almost all solo practitioners, too. Um, But I think that part of the problem that we're seeing is, number one, things are moving so fast and it's difficult to hit a moving target, particularly when it comes to litigation. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that, let's say I'll tell you my own reason why we didn't. Why I never sued over the mask mandate, because there's this mandate and. First, I thought, well, somebody else will probably sue. And then I thought, well, it's going to be lifted any day now. And I'm going to be in this litigation. And I'm going to invest you know, several hundred hours into this. And then they're going to lift it. And the court's going to say, it's moot. It's done now. Goodbye. You did everything for nothing. And so I think that a lot of attorneys were probably reluctant to start litigation that they thought would be terminated very quickly as moot. Because that's energy that is being sunk into something that goes away like that, that you could be putting into other things, um, whether it be political causes or work. So I think that that's probably part of the reason. I know that's part of my reason. The other thing is that the cases are really, they're experimental. The cases that I'm doing, I consider to be test cases. And I'm taking big risks on them, because I'm doing them on contingency. And I don't know how it's going to shake out in the end. I don't want to make my Hmm. opponent's arguments for me, but we're we're in uncharted waters here, and I don't know if courts are going to say that things like mask policies that disproportionately affect disabled people are discriminatory because the policies themselves are are content neutral. They're not directed at disabled people, but they predominantly affect disabled people. Same hmm. thing with the, um, with the injections. It's not the exemptions. Okay, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I realize I left something out. But... With regard to the injections, a lot of colleges and employers are saying that if you don't wanna get it, we're gonna force you to wear a mask, get tested, live off campus and otherwise segregate and treat these people differently. And on their face, these policies are neutral. They're not saying we're targeting you because- you Right. Mean, you're it's God based on the
0: vaccine. vaccine. It's based on the health emergency.
1: Well, that, but that goes away as soon as they approve it is the problem. Um, it. it's the strongest argument, but it's, it,
0: it's, it could poof. So what, what's the, so there is no real historical precedent. I mean, I, I guess we're in uncharted waters because we're, to me, and I don't, I don't want to make this bigger than it is, but it seems like we're really in a constitutional crisis where, what does the constitution really mean? I've had this discussion with my conservative friends and, you know, they're all about, no, we're a nation of laws, constitutional protection. I'm like, well, but it hasn't for 15 months. I mean, I've got many, many friends who are out of business, some who are out of business for good. Um, There are children that have taken their own lives and the conversations I've had with parents and educators and uh, the good folks that run the suicide hotline, my friends that work in addiction recovery, there has been irreparable harm caused uh, to to many thousands of people just in our local communities, not to mention, and not the least of which, the elderly victims who were forced to cohabitate with uh, symptomatic sick people who had a disease that we knew back last March in 2020 uh, was gonna affect the elderly and the compromised the most. So like, wh- where's the redress of grievances for all of those people If they can easily just wave a wand and say, well, the mask mandate's over and um and you know, let's move on. Like what what how do you stop this from happening again, even though we're still in the last one?
1: Yeah, I mean, and 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 you've hit the point on the head exactly. And and it's it's the mask mandates. At one point we were prohibited from leaving the state, which is a clear violation of the fact that you're not allowed to restrict the interstate travel of people like that is in the constitution
0: i got stopped by the national guard going into rhode island uh after my father-in-law had passed away i mean utter madness i i it was i've never i literally my son and i uh, my wife was already there. My my father-in-law passed. I mean, not to mention the horrific injustice of not being able to say goodbye to him. My, my wife and and daughter waving goodbye behind a glass window. But you know, that 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 madness and injustice aside, and five people at the funeral and all with masks and absolutely madness. But to be stopped by an armed soldier at the border on Route ninety five is something that I never thought I would experience. And and I'll tell you, Dana, it's it my mindset politically changed that day. And I thought, okay, Ronald Reagan was actually right. Government is the enemy and government is the problem. And it's totally unchecked right now. And I think that that, you know, as I wrap up this conversation, I absolutely want to have you on again uh, and I'll give you the last word. But I I think that you are I don't know that you realize how big your role is, that, that you are one of the uh, the frontline, line uh, original freedom fighters. That when we look pat- back on this, 10, 20, 30 years from now, you know, you're one of the people that that helped turn this country around, or or, or <laughs> failed, and th- we were the last line of defense. You know, when when we're looking back, and we're all um, and we're all under the direction of the Chinese Communist Party. So so I don't know. I guess it could go either way at this point. But I am also an optimist, and and I'm ready to fight like hell. But it, This is a, it is a big deal what's happening right now.
1: It is, it is a big deal what's happening. I believe that we are at a crossroads. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of urgency from people. They want to go, 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 sue, 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 sue. And I think it's important to take very careful stock of the land and choose our steps carefully and wisely. Um, Because what happens over the next year or two gonna it's going to set the
0: course of this country so so for the parents out there that are struggling with this for the employees that are struggling with this uh, it sounds like what you're saying is you do have to pick your battles you've got to weigh your risk uh the battle is not you losing your job over not taking the jab or not wearing the mask the battle is more long term that this is a fundamental discussion of how far can government and private enterprise you know I'm i'm a pretty big capitalist and, and I'm not going to go so far as to say I'm a libertarian. although I, I lean way more anti-government now than I ever did. Um, but, but I will say that people, it's funny to me, my left-wing friends are hiding behind capitalism. That's when I knew we were off the rails. They're like no private business. They could, they could force you to do it. I'm like, wait a minute. Where were you 10 years ago? We were talking about the rights of business owners.
1: And what about labor? They just threw labor
0: under the bus. It's amazing. It's amazing. And And I said, you know, you don't have a right as a as a public service if you own a grocery store to force someone to compromise their health. I, I had a lunch meeting in Princeton today, and I had said this on the radio that I said I won't walk into any restaurant that is still forcing their employees to wear masks. So you know where they are. If every person's wearing a mask, and I turn around, and and it's it's a shame because there's some of these business owners I know but I've made a public stance. I won't participate because I think what you're doing is uh, a public injustice. But there was this store, (laughs) it's one of these local boutique stores, and the signs all over the walls saying, you can't enter without a mask. This is our company policy. If your child is over the age of two, they have to be masked up or not allowed in store. And sadly, this business is still open. I mean, in, in my America, they'd be closed for business for being complete idiots. But instead, you've got people that are like, oh, I guess I just have to follow along. But what you're saying sounds to me like, look, there are certain battles. I'm going to fight my own personal battles and I'm going to spend my money um, with the people that I think are still haven't lost their minds. But um, but it's not about the the individual fight at the retail or the store. It's about the long term battle for who has the right to, to enforce what.
1: I think the first and foremost and most important battle that we need to fight is we need to establish that people have, under the 14th Amendment, an absolute right, due to their personal autonomy and sovereignty over their bodies, to refuse injections. Right now, everything is focused around religious exemptions and medical exemptions because individuals just want to personally not have to take this injection. But the battle that we have to win has to be under the 14th Amendment. It has to be on those grounds because the religious exemption is going to go away. Most likely we have to we have to plan that that's going to happen. So we can't rely mm-hmm. on that. The medical exemptions are almost impossible to get because the medical community is completely corrupted.
0: They're all complicit. So sure. We can't
1: rely on the exemptions. This must go forward and it must be established under the right to sovereignty in your body. And in my opinion, that's the battle that's the battle that must be fought the rest of it i'll put to the side because it's building on sand if we do that
0: so how do people get in touch with you if they want to sign on to a class action suit against uh, the social media uh giants or um they've got someone that's they've got a, a legitimate disability that that they they really have a leg to stand on that the mask has harmed them um because it doesn't seem that the college kids are going to have any recourse right now and they're going to lose in court and uh, we're going to have to fight that battle will have to be fought for the, the next lockdown. Who knows? I, I saw somebody tweet the other day, we're going to have a climate change lockdown. That'll be the next thing these idiots try. Um, yeah. I right? Think, I think that's a possibility. Right. You got to stay at home. You're polluting the planet. I mean, you know, and, and I always reference Al Gore telling us that New York City would be underwater in 2015. Anyway, it
1: gonna be, remember, it was going to be the ice age
0: back in the 70s, yeah. the ice age, then New York was going to flood. Dana, there aren't many critical thinkers left. Thank God for you. I'm so appreciative of oh. you and what you're doing. I really mean it. Um, how do people get in touch with you? What do you want them to do? Is there a form they can fill out?
1: Yes, yeah, so they can go to my website, uh, www.weferlawoffices.com. There's a contact form. The thing that I would ask is that people put in their phone number so that I don't have to email them to ask for their phone number. I can just call. Um, so right now we're putting together a lawsuit against Twitter. I'm really hoping to have, I've been a little detoured with, with the vaccine stuff, but I'm really hoping to get that filed before the end of July. Um, and if anybody wants to volunteer, because I'm doing the Twitter suit pro bono, and there's a lot of research that needs to be done. Um, I have like a literally a list of like 40 things that I just need people to research to see, for example, like, how many of our assembly people are on Twitter? Because that helps establish that it's a public forum. So if somebody would be willing to research a topic and they could reach out through that, I can just email them back with the topic. And that would be really helpful because it allows me to concentrate on other aspects of the complaint so we can get it
0: rolling. I will put the word out. I'll have this posted on my site, nj1015.com slash Bill Spadia. This will be a video available on Rumble and that links to the nj1015 slash Bill Spadia site. and uh, look, let's have you on again. Let's let's talk toward the end of July, early August, when you file the Twitter lawsuit. Uh, we are in this fight together. That is an overused cliche these days that has been used by the enemies of the republic. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, we are together because we are few and far between. And if we remember our history, it's typically a small group of active, thoughtful people that change history. It doesn't have to be a majority. We don't need to be in the majority. We just need to be right. And I believe we are. I agree, 100%. Thank Thanks, Dana. So much. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Thanks.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything
0: would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.
1: At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.